barbecue with, with this dude. Dead giveaway. I declare bankruptcy! Welcome back. I hope you guys are doing well. It's kind of a crazy time right now. The coronavirus is uh, really having a big effect on everyone. I'm home in isolation with my family. Um, probably similar to what you guys are doing. Just trying to get used to um, the new way of life. And it is a little bit wild and it's taken a bit to get used to. I think there's going to be a lot of positive stuff that comes out of this period. You know, there is a lot of negative stuff going on as well. Really serious stuff. But I think the positives are going to be that we're going to sort of draw closer. Closer to our friends and family. Um, and probably people who aren't our friends and family who we just realize need help. So on that note, I want to try and encourage everybody to use this time um, for something for something good. Uh, Music-wise, it's a great time to be creative, so it's a great time to probably get around to doing some of the stuff that we've wanted to do for a while, but we've been putting it off. As always, need to give a big shout-out to my sponsor of the show, which is another podcast called Recording Studio Rockstars which is Lidshaw. If you haven't heard the show, check it out. It's amazing. If you have heard it, I encourage you to keep on listening because it's great. Um, again, I just want to mention something about the coronavirus. Um, if you're like me, when I first heard about it, I didn't really take it all that serious. I thought, well, you know, I lived through SARS and, you know, this must be something kind of similar to that. But this really does seem like a, a totally different animal and I do want to encourage you um, to really stay home. Stay home if, if you can, because it does seem to be making the biggest difference. I realized the other day that I don't really um, introduce myself each episode. I did it probably um, way back when I first started the series, but um, for anyone who doesn't know who I am, which is probably most of you, and that's fine, my name's Kevin. And I'm probably like a lot of you where, um, where I love Ableton and I love podcasts and I was looking for podcasts a few years ago on Ableton to listen to while I was working and I couldn't find any. So I thought, well, I guess I'll just create my own. So that's what I've done and the podcast is all about just trying to get, um, get to know other people who are using Ableton in a really cool way. So I hope you enjoy So today I have uh, a very special guest. I have Rachel K. Collier on the podcast, and I'm very, very, very grateful to have you. So thanks so much for joining us today, Rachel. No worries. Thanks for having me, Kevin. Yeah, it's it's a pleasure. I know we're all on lockdown, and you're in the countryside, <laughs> and the internet is um, not being very kind to you today, is it? I would say the internet is pretty much non-existent, so uh, yeah. <laughs> Thank God for Zoom H6 recorders, hey? Yeah, yes, yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so for any, I thought for anyone out there who um, hasn't heard much about you, I just wondered if you could give us um, just kind of a brief breakdown of how you got started in music, how you've got to where you are today. 
Yeah, sure. So, um, yeah, so for anyone who doesn't know who I am, I guess, I'm um, an electronic music producer and a live performer. And, uh, yeah, very much um, obsessed with, uh, with, with Ableton Live. And, um, I mean, I've been using it for a while now, maybe for like 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> oh wow That's so um yeah yeah so i've been using it since i was like flipping i don't know 18 19 years old and uh since i went to college and um i uh well i started off you know with actually growing up in swansea it was hilarious the sort of the facilities and the things available to us when you know in school it was so dated thinking back like there was no computers i remember like when i had to do like my music compositions and stuff i'd have to go to my music teacher's house and use sibelius it was terrible you know oh well yeah um but i remember being quite small uh and really kind of you know loving my dad's tape player and i kind of used to experiment and I don't know, I guess now looking back, it all really makes sense to how I've ended up where I am today. But I just had like a fascination with plugging things into it and then like putting the tape in and then realizing if I take the tape out, put another one in, then I can record over the last tape. And I kind of, this fascination with kind of recording myself and at the same time kind of teaching myself to play piano. Um, I didn't really have any lessons or anything. It was just a keyboard. that I had for Christmas or something. And I remember like kind of experimenting with it and copying melodies from the TV. And then I basically kind of realized that if I play, you know, an E flat and then play a G and then play a B flat, it makes this nice happy chord. And then, ooh, if I change that G to a, you know, an F sharp, I've got a minor chord. And kind of over time, I just experimented really. And then ended up, I guess when I was a bit older, oh, right. Actually, I can play a little bit of the piano, you know, and that in combination with recording myself and then looping things up. And then with the stupid keyboard I had, it had loads of these like preset beats, you know. So I used to like experiment with the with the preset beats on there and my friends would come around and I'd sort of play them songs. And they sort of I had this attic bedroom and I remember it quite clearly. They all just sit on my bed and just um, clap their heads off, you know. And obviously when we were that small, it was the most encouraging thing ever. And like when I listen, I mean, some of those tapes got uh, destroyed actually, but I remember listening back to some recordings from that age and I got to say, my voice was terrible. I don't know how any of my friends could have clapped for that because it was awful. But <laughs> I think I think the years of recording myself also helped me to learn how to sing because I would listen back on constantly to myself and subconsciously I guess judge it but yeah um so that's kind of like how my teenager childhood and teenagers years evolved and then I was in choirs and things like that I loved music I loved harmonizing and um but I knew that there was more to it than just my flipping you know Yamaha DJX keyboard and the tape and the Yorks cable and so I uh sent it was so funny I sent like a tape to to this music college and I went for an audition and they basically laughed and said you're the only person ever who sent a tape a cassette (laughs) and um and I was like what do you mean how and then I was like well that's why I'm here because I think there's more to it than just this and um yeah so then immediately it was just like apples and like I'd never heard of any of this stuff you know so but it was awesome and I knew that's why I wanted to do like a music tech course in the end because I was like 
I want to learn how I can make music like with more like with better stuff you know yeah um so so I did I did like music in school and choir and all that and I always wrote songs and um it was funny because like for all like GCSE and A level you know compositions and that um people would just come around my house and let me make their compositions for them (laughs) so uh you know so I just always had like a really um a big passion for for creating um and then yeah to put that with technology then when I went to music college um yeah well you know like I said looking back it makes complete sense to me (laughs) so of of the of the path that I've followed and I feel like the same person mind this is you know I do the same stuff I've just got more advanced uh, gear and um yeah so I went to music college and that's kind of where I then entered the world of, you know, doors and recording and MIDI. And I'd never heard of any of this stuff. Yeah. Um, um, but yeah, it is, it, you know, because I, I was just kind of really enthusiastic, I guess, I learned it pretty quick. And, and I, I also had um, like a, a few girls on my tech course as well, which was rare. Like our year was known as the girl year. Yeah. And, um, and I think in a way someone uh, actually my friend someone I asked me about this they're like have you ever been like fearful of technology or gear or like desks or anything that looks you know intimidating and I was like not really and I tried to put my finger on why and I think it might be because I studied with girls and I just none of us really give a shit we were just like if we didn't understand it we just whatever mess around with it until it and make until it would work you know um so I think those girls I studied with who are one I'm really really still close with uh, had a good impact on like a good positive relationship with being fearless with technology I guess yeah so and that's kind of how I am these days you know um I kind of just think oh well you know you can work it out so um um but obviously I saying that I, d- I did a little mix and a mastering session the other day with um my pal Christopher Harris, he's an incredible mix engineer, and oh god, yeah, some of the stuff he was showing me just did, did go over my head. I thought, oh god, I'm never going to be able to do to mix like this dude. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so um, it is a special skill. But yeah. Oh god, yeah, I was just blown away. You know, him even starting chucking everything on the mix bus, and he's got loads of outboard gear, and like, yeah, or all, all his. It was basically like four hours of like EQ and compression session. You know, yeah. Um, so I was just like, oh man, uh, Ashley, I'm just gonna go back to Ableton now, and uh, you know, just do the creative thing. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So, um, so, but yeah, but I've had a, I've had a fun time definitely, and. Um, it, the first uh, my first experience with Ableton uh, I remember we had to do these as part of my music tech course it was, it was kind of random to be honest we did loads of random stuff on it and for the first year I wanted to quit because I didn't think it made any sense we used to just focus on a lot of sound design and kind of um, but we didn't know it was sound design at the time you know it would be disguised as like can you write 10 compositions that have no pitch no rhythm no melody and it was a bit like I'd come on this course to like make cool songs and stuff. And then they would tell me I had to write a song with no pitch or rhythm. And I was like, what the hell is this course? You know, yeah. but as it, as it evolved, I now I feel like, oh, wow, that's what made me more open-minded as maybe a producer, an artist, you know? Um, and, um, but yeah, my first experience with Ableton, we, we had to do these innovative recitals every year, you know? And I, I, I saw this dude, um, 
Tom, uh, I think his name was, I, I don't know him these days, but I remember this quite clearly. He'd set up like a, a drum kit and a guitar and something. And actually, he had a really bad mark, bless him, because it was too normal, his performance. That's how, oh God, the course was hilarious. Um, but I was blown away by what he did. He stood there and he had like a little remote in his hand, which was, uh, everything was MIDI mapped to in session view uh, to Ableton. I didn't know what Ableton was. And he, he just did this whole performance where he played a bit of drums and it looped back and then he played some guitar and then looped that and I was like oh my god what is this dude doing and then uh, I said to him after what are you do how are you doing that and he's like oh I'm using this uh, program called Ableton and um, so I was like right I need to have a go on this so um, I asked my tutor actually Simon Kilshaw's funny guy he was really into like um, uh, P PD pure data that was our lessons with him so but he was quite funny he was like oh mate yes this software calls it called Ableton you know have have a little go on it so I, I just had this yeah so I opened session view and then yeah just started playing with it and figured out oh right okay yeah, uh, the midi mapping thing you can like obviously map buttons and and I just did all these like random vocal acapella things like with it and I just became obsessed with it loved it but I was only using it in session view and I didn't know until about four years later that there was an arrange view. Yeah. So I just didn't clock that until it was like a few years later and someone said, oh, how, what do you use to produce? And I was like, oh, you know, um, at the moment I'm back and before Pro Tools. I was like, does my head in though? And, you know, they're like, oh, why didn't you use Ableton? And I was like, Ableton? I was like, yeah, man, that that's an amazing performance. Uh, and then they were like, no, you can produce in it. And I was like, no you can't I was like you have to just do it in like you know in loops and things and they're like no 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 and then hit the tab key and I was like oh no way <laughs> yeah um, <laughs> and then I was just like what and then and like I do speak quite passionately about Ableton because I feel like absolutely transformed me as a music producer um just had like obviously already a pretty positive relationship with the with the workflow and the the, the interface of it but um just all the things you can do I just love how you can use uh experiment with audio in it you know just chopping things up it's a bit like going back to tapes isn't it like picking those little loops and so as soon as I started producing uh with Ableton I felt like oh cool man like that's it. I just, I want to produce my own music because I had this period of time between um, college where I was doing a bit of top lining work as well, um, writing melodies for other music producers, Yeah, which was fine, but it was also just like, well, this is kind of boring, just writing the melody and lyrics here. I want to make the music. Um, so then when I managed to like realize, oh my God, I can produce with Ableton. It kind of changed my life. So, um, and then, and then, you know, I was producing these songs in Ableton and I was like, oh man, I want to perform them now. And I remembered from college, you know, I could do that somehow. And uh, it was just like a revelation, like having my own productions now. And now I can perform them with this, with Ableton. So yeah, so my, my experiences with it definitely started with Session View and like live looping. Um, but yeah, I've done, I think I've gone around the whole 360 now and yeah, produce all my tracks in it. And uh, yeah, and take it back to Session View then to perform them live on stage. Yeah. Well, that so, was a long answer. <laughs> no, 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 that's great. Thank you. I guess so for anybody who, who doesn't know, um, you've got some really great videos online of you doing, doing oh, your stuff, you, Kevin. doing your stuff live. <laughs> you've got, um, you know, you've got a lot of, uh, a lot of big YouTube hits. 
um, you know, where you've got a lot of streams, a lot of plays, um, which is yeah, which, yeah. which is really cool. But I, you know, so I've watched a number of them, and I think I just, I think I maybe discovered you. Maybe, about, I don't know, could have been like four or five years ago. I think anybody who's sort of like searched, put the words Ableton into YouTube, um, they are bound to sort of like find you at some point because you're, you're always sort of like... If they go down the rabbit hole, yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> I've been, yeah, really impressed um, with your videos and how you sort of like multi how you kind of like multitask and you just switch between um, different instruments like so quickly. Um, and it just seems effortless. I'm sure it's probably taken you a while to get there, but um, it's really amazing. So for anybody who hasn't seen your videos, I definitely encourage you to check them out on YouTube. And oh, thank you, Kevin. Yeah, they're very fun. <laughs> yeah, so a question about it. I'm sure you probably have to do a lot of, a lot of sort of like production leading up to you know the point that you're going to do these live videos but I was wondering like mm. when you're looping these things like I, I heard one the other day where you kind of start with uh you start with your vocal and you loop that and then you're doing something else and you like then you play some keyboard and you loop that are you doing that would that just be like in session view and are you just doing is each of those are you just um looping them by doing each one in a different clip or can you tell us how you're sort of looping those things so quickly and efficiently yeah sure so yeah there it's um so i'm basically using session view and i'm using it in the way it's designed like you know obviously people like go off and do you know a lima and like cliff x and all that i am like the ableton purist so it's basically session view and um you know i've got as many clips as many tracks for however many loops i want to record so if i want to record 10 loops of vocals i'm going to need 10 tracks um and um they're all like pre-armed so every track is pre-armed um yeah. so and it's uh um, I use the push two as well. So well, not always mind. Uh, sometimes if I'm like um, in the direct sunlight, I would not use push two because that, uh, yeah, you can't see anything if you're in the sun. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, so it's just uh, like 10 tracks or say there's going to be 10 vocal loops or all the tracks are, are pre-armed just with one input, the same mic input. Um, and the the trick that I learned sort of earlier on is obviously if you've got 10 tracks of vocal and you know you've got the monitoring set to auto for all of them it's terrible you can't work like that yeah. so all you actually need is like one track to monitor to hear yourself and then obviously it's the same input for the for the microphone for all those tracks so you just monitor through one channel that you don't actually loop into and then you loop into all the other channels and then it is just a question of either you do a fixed length loop so you do it one tap in or you do a non-fixed length and it's just tap in tap tap out yeah um and obviously you can set these tracks up so say like i've got i mean most of my videos is audio loops there are a couple of midi loops thrown in there but with audio obviously it makes it quite easy because you've just got like what like a couple of inputs into your interface so if i've got say two synths and a microphone and then i for the live looping like I'll organize the tracks in the order of the loops and things like that. So if I'm going to do a vocal loop, it's just like it's already armed. So all I have to do is press one button and that is the record the clip. So record clip, sing, 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 stop clip. Uh, it plays back. And then say the next track is some keys, you know, uh, 
record clip play 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 stop clip and that that's basically how it works um a lot of people say oh is it looper using looper in live or i'm like no no it's just literally um kind of but obviously when i'm doing these performances um you know i've practiced like it's not i'm not jamming you know um and it does take a bit of practice especially i figured that out quite early on um yeah, they definitely don't take five minutes because yes. I probably need to practice anything between, I don't know, like three days and a week to do a performance yeah. like that. That's very um, helpful to know for, I'm sure, yeah. a lot of people out there who just see you doing it. And it looks, because you make it look so effortless and I'm sure people think, oh, wow, that must be the first time that she's done this. But you've actually rehearsed <laughs> that quite a few times. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got to rehearse. Also, because, like, um, it depends how you're shooting as well. Like, uh, if it's not a one-shot, for example, and you've only got one camera and you need to do another angle, then it needs to be the same performance. So to get, like, the shots of the hands and stuff like that, you know, you can't be a jam kind of thing. Um, But that's why you'll probably notice I prefer doing one-shots these days because I just, like oh just just it keeps it a bit freer for me um and obviously with the session view thing it it is still quite free because if I want to keep a loop going for a bit longer I can and I can have a break in between loops but or you know it does get quite um this one video I did um it was actually in uh partnership with Novation of the release of their SL Mark III controller okay and that one was I mean, that was pretty cool, actually, because I used Innovation Peak as, like, um, and the SL Mark III was controlling, like, I was sending MIDI to the Peak. Um, And so that performance was a bit of a more of a mix. I'd say there was probably more MIDI loops in that one. And that took a little bit more, like, you just got to be a bit careful on how you're setting up your MIDI tracks and monitoring and things like that, and then recording back into a range view. Um, But yeah, that I did have to practice a lot to get it really, really slick. Because if I didn't practice, you know, I could do it without practicing, but it would be really slow. So people would be waiting, like, you know, 30 seconds for the next loop rather than sort of you know a split second which is you know that's that's kind of the performance element that you add to it once you've obviously composed and ar- ar- arranged the performance yeah oh cool so you have a song called paper tiger yeah yeah <laughs> um and for anybody who who hasn't heard it i definitely encourage them to uh, check it out on youtube um i think oh, there's i you. think there's many great things about that song but one thing i wanted to ask um there's uh there's a bass sound um, that you use mm. and it seems like it, it's got like this wobble effect that is like synced synced with the track and I wondered if you could mention how you're doing it it looks like are you using like a, an Arturia sort of bass synth So it's one of my, that was actually like my first proper like analog little synthy thing. It's uh, my Arturia Mini Brute. 
and it's um it's awesome you know it's it was like it was the first synth that i got there's no presets it was kind of the transition i think from for me from like plugins to synths um yeah. and also when you're performing uh, you know there's a debate about this and i've got a patreon that talks about ways that you you can use like loads of uh, your like midi uh, vsts and stuff um you know by by sampling them and, and putting them into a chain selector so you don't obviously max out your cpu on stage but i kind of like using audio like i said earlier because it's just straight up that's my sound you know and i can loop it and it doesn't add any extra weight or to my cpu or anything like that so the arturo mini brew is like my first kind of um dive into this kind of audio synth world and you know what it's not even midi synced actually i've just like matched the like rhythm of the lfo a little bit to the track yeah so i've just yeah just matched the rhythm um or the rate is the official term um and yeah and i'm just it's just like a sub bass and i think i've got like a obviously i've got the cut off there so i'm just kind of release it uh, opening the filter a little bit and um and yeah and that mini brew i i absolutely love it you know it's uh that and so that comes in i think that does get looped doesn't it that one gets looped in um why does that get looped in the breakdown section of that song um but that's the cool thing about about it performing with ableton you know everything you're performing with runs through it so anything that you want to loop you can very easily so um but yeah so that's the arturia mini brute well i'm i'm really impressed with that um i'm a bass player as well and i play and i play keyboard so i do end up doing like a lot of synth bass as well and just to say like um you really nail that on that track because if you hit that a little (laughs) bit before a little bit after it would not it would not sort of line up with the rest of the song so i'm I'm really impressed with that and i think it sounds oh, great oh thanks very much and again oh, thank you the other thing is too is your hands are probably like just coming off of like a normal keyboard and they go right to that bass so it's really impressive how that all happens like it it almost seems like you've got like four <laughs> hands uh but you don't um so it's oh, really really cool it's just a lot of practice <laughs> Yeah. It's like, and the thing is, right, I was saying this to somebody, it's not very technical stuff that I actually play. Like, I don't really shred. I'm not, like, amazing at shredding. I've got a bit better over the years as I've got more synths. But what I what I love about, like, live looping is it's basically three notes, that bass line is. But it's just the practice of moving from one synth to another. And I feel like if you just put the time in, it's something that we can all do. So um, I feel like because when people, you know, a lot of people reach out and say it's really really sweet you know it's inspiring and stuff and I think it's because yeah it's not even though obviously I've like created the music but like it's stuff that everybody can do if they put their minds to it yeah that's what I think anyway yeah no (laughs) yeah that's cool um there's another song um called uh bad day and it's oh yeah with you and uh two other girls which I thought was really cool um, oh thank you i i really like that one yeah, yeah I posted so, that was it a month ago yeah yeah so that's really cool to see the female lineup um but not only that i mean it just sounds great whether it's an all-female lineup or not but i i wanted to ask you about um the synth sounds that you use on that i think that uh i love like the the keyboard patch that you use on that song can you just can you remember what that was at all um so that's the korg mini log isn't it and the yamaha reface dx 
weeks. Okay. Um, and that performance specifically was cool because there's only actually a couple of live loops in the intro uh, and there's absolutely like no track whatsoever. So there's no um, like pre-made clips in there. Yeah. Because like Paper Tiger is like a balance of live looping with obviously some pre-made stems. Because yeah. it's like... With my performances, it's always been like a compromise. I always really want to create the whole thing from scratch, but obviously if I'm going to try and make that sound that took me three hours in the studio, how the hell am I going to do that on the fly, you know, without people? They'll basically be watching me try to recreate those sounds. So um, so Paper Tiger was de- uh, like, a, uh, I'd say, a hybrid between live looping and like pre-made stems whereas that bad day one is all live and then the girls were all playing to click we actually go quite off the click but we're all playing together so it's okay yeah sure. <laughs> so um but when we recorded it back you know we couldn't really quantize it or anything because it was like we're, we're way off but we all played together so it's kind of all right um but yeah those patches so yeah korg mini log and you're going to laugh. The one patch that I use like midway through the song. So that's the synth that's on the, uh, on the left of me in that video. And it's the default patch, um, the first one. But I'm running it through like um, a Valhalla reverb in, in, yeah. in Ableton. So that's why. And I've mapped that as well to like a, a parameter on the MIDI fighter. So it sounds kind of dreamy. And then, oh, and, and, then, and then the bass patch. I can't remember the exact name of it. And I don't have it with me now because I'm not in my flipping in my own studio. I've got my Minilog XD, but not the mini log original one so yeah that was just two patches that i didn't even make them they're two patches preset patch that bases i'm sure if you scroll through on the mini log you'll be able to find that base yeah sure. and then the dx um i bought the dx actually not that long ago the reface dx because uh for for performing on stage because i wanted i was gonna get a midi keyboard something i could put in front of me really small um but then i found this dx and i was like wow it's actually got loads of cool sounds and the thing about the DX as opposed to the other uh, Yamaha refaces is you can save your patches and change them without having to use the um, Soundmundo app. Okay. I don't know if you know anything about that. <laughs> but um, with the other Yamaha refaces, they're amazing. Like the CS, I've got that as well. It's like the, oh yeah, I love that thing. But, you know, you make your patches and you save them digitally. Whereas with this uh, uh, Reface DX thing, the one I'm using in in the video Bad Day, yeah, I've saved my patches and I could just press the buttons. And I think I use quite a couple in it, don't I? I've got like that wobble bass that comes in. And um, I've also, with that wobble bass, uh, I've put... Um, an effect rack on that channel with uh, an LFO and I've mapped the the rate of the LFO and the frequency to the same knob so that's why I, in the breakdown section I oh and obviously the on and off button you see me tap the Akai LPD it was just a like basic MIDI controller tap that button and then I'm turning the like parameter turning one parameter which moves two two parameters in Ableton and yeah it makes that cool kind of like like that kind of effect yeah. for the bass um so so yeah so the, it's just those the reface Korg mini log wobble bass i think i maybe use like a warm pad sound in that as well i should probably try and uh, make some patches available shouldn't i and then people can play with them yeah maybe i'll do that in this lockdown time <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah sounds good yeah yeah 
Um, so you've you have mentioned a lot of the gear that you use already, but I just thought, I wondered if you could just run us down, um, you know, everything that you usually have when when you're going out and either doing a video or maybe you're you're playing live. I'm assuming are you using a MacBook Pro and an interface? Um, yeah. Oh God. Yeah, you'll laugh as well because the MacBook Pro I actually am still using on stage. People take the piss as well. They're like, "What is a 2012 MacBook Pro?" It, oh wow, um, it's impressive. It's nuts. It's uh, it's got a solid state drive, and it was it was the highest spec MacBook, um, and uh, at the time. But what happened was, um. Uh, this is kind of bad. It's actually my boyfriend's and I started using it to perform live and then I sort of, oh God, this is so bad. I actually just kept using it to perform live and then it just became the performance laptop. So I think the difference is why it still works, even though it's a huge brick, um, is because it's never, for probably the last three or four years, it's only been used to perform with. Yeah. So I don't go online with it. It's literally just Ableton on there. Yeah. Can um, it run Ableton I, 10 or is it on? Yeah, yeah. It runs yeah. Ableton 10. It's, it's actually in, right? If you want to check out this retro laptop. Well, it's in all the vids, but I did. I collaborated with Ableton on the Live 10 release. I don't oh, know if you've seen that video. Amazing. Yeah. So at the, I'm at the beginning of the video. Uh, I've got my hair in like a French plait because it was for the filming. It had to be consistent and it was just a nightmare, frizz bomb hair. So I plaited <laughs> it. So I don't know if people recognize me, but um, so I'm at the very beginning of that video and it's that laptop that um, is is what I take on stage. Um, you know, I do have a new laptop now, but I'm still reluctant to swap it until this one breaks. Yeah. So I'm just like, it's still working. Um, but yeah, it is a bit heavy mind, but that means I just don't take it anywhere, which is maybe why it's still quite sacred, if that makes sense. Yeah. But people get shocked by that. They're like, what the hell? Like, how can you... But it's got the latest operating sister on, on I think. Oh, is it Catalina? I haven't maybe done... And I'm, I've got an RME Fireface UC, which is like an 8-in, 8-out. Again, a bit of a retro sound card. I, di I didn't buy it that long ago, actually. It's great. It's half rack size. Um, and I've got like a little so I take that I've had like um from Swan Flight which is like a UK company I built like a little uh a rack it's like a we call it the handbag it's pink and it's got like my Fireface UC in it uh, my radial stereo DIs I've got my PSM 300 which is the transmitter for like my in-ear monitors yeah and it's just like a 4U half uh 4U half rack size and then I, I take my own XLR loom as well um so I basically keep my uh quarter inch outs of my interface connected to the DIs and then just um hand like the venues like a loom so um of the xlrs and like so it's quite because we learned that quite you know performing electronically and stuff it's sort of it was definitely a, a bit of an uphill climb you know when we first started going out performance things that would go wrong obviously what which lines we need to separate what do we need to give the sound engineer how are we going to control you know running your vocals through live and feedback with the effects and honestly i just learned so much on this journey but only by going out and doing it and getting stuff wrong yeah. Um, and I've, I've set up this Patreon now, which I set up maybe 18 months ago, where I really, really talk in depth and try to 
help them I don't have that many I have like maybe 140 um but that's that's lovely because I have like a really good you know they can ask me anything we talk about all this stuff um which seems simple to me now but I guess it's just stuff that I've learned from things going wrong for me in a way you know um so when I'm performing live, it's quite, yeah, I try to keep it uh, compact in terms of like that kind of the play, not playback, but the Ableton rig. Um, and then with the synths, it it depends. Uh, at the, the last performance I did, I took two refaces because they're nice and small. I've got push two. Um, I've got the Akai LPD8 tiny MIDI controller. I've got like all my vocal sends and like effects mapped to the knobs on them. And I just have that... I just control them with my right hand. They're just sort of above the keyboard. And then I've got, what else have I got? A MIDI fighter uh, twister, which uh, is awesome. Because those knobs, right, You when you push them down, it turns the effect on. And then obviously you can turn the knob to affect the parameter, uh, which is good because it saves you then like turning something on and off and then doing it. Because you don't obviously want to have... Um, like an LFO effect on your master channel for the whole performance, you know? Yes, so if yeah. that makes sense. Um, well, in my case, it will be the buses rather than the master because I actually send stuff out sends only to to front of house now so I can have this separation and stuff in, in the lines, you know? Um, and yeah, so, so yeah. And then obviously I've got my just like SM58 microphone, uh yeah push two midi fighter twister that's the most minimal rig and then like it grows depending on the show <laughs> yeah so if it's like a headline show i add i've got like this other side rack where i bring my king korg and the reason why i'm using the king korg is obviously because i've produced a lot of the tracks with that synth so um it's kind of makes sense i've got all the patches in there uh and then the Artura Mini Brew as well. But actually, as time's evolving, you know, I'm using different synths now. And um, last year we did a tour, I released an album, released that whole documentary on life as an independent artist. So actually this year, I mean, well, we're kind of forced anyway, anyway with this, obviously everything that's happening now. But um, I, I actually want to sort of recalibrate a little bit and experiment a little bit more and, you know, switch stuff up, you know, and, and try other things. So, um, and, and, and when I perform live, I have, I have a mix, I have two different ways I perform as well. I sometimes, I do a lot of this like live looping from scratch performances, which yeah. are really thrilling. Actually, you, you basically start the show with nothing. Um, obviously my project's set up, I've got all the tracks set up, I've got my tempos set, I've got my effects on certain channels, um, things like that. Um, but there's absolutely no clips. So that's pretty, but it's, it's fun. It's really fun. But there are limitations with that in the fact that you're live looping, obviously, with a microphone. So you do need an audience to be quiet. Otherwise, it just doesn't really work, you know? Yeah. So events like So Far Sounds is perfect. It's really great. Um, but if you're doing more of a clubby kind of performance where I usually take my my percussionists with me as well, I'll then do like a hybrid performance then of like cool I'll do some live looping in the intro but then maybe trigger like some some yeah a groove then that I've made and things like that in scene two and then bring in some of the other loops I created at the beginning um and I've learned that you know when you're in the clubs with these huge subs and you want to do vocal looping 
it's disastrous. You have to sort of start with the vocal loops when yeah. there's no other sounds. So it's like it's like all these little things you just learn from basically doing it, you know? Because it's actually very different playing a set at 110 dB um, to when you're performing um, a, a video performance and there's no sound apart from what you can hear in your headphones, you know? It's got a really big difference. So how I set those types of performance up, you know, with a video, is a lot more chilled out you know i don't have to worry about like splitting the microphone signal making sure there's a dry signal for front of house like you know and obviously i can record everything straight back into a range view so i can have a little mix of it after so it's things yeah it's quite different actually it's a different headspace it's a lot more relaxed doing a video it's like obviously you have to rehearse more <laughs> but um you it's a bit more chilled because you know you can you, you can sort of tidy it up a bit after if you want to you know whereas live show you can't you just going out and you're playing a show it is quite yeah definitely different headspace yeah yeah for sure wow i'm chatting so much i hope you guys are following all of this <laughs> sounds good um i was curious it sounds like you're not using sort of any like redundant software so like a lot of people now are using mm. more than one laptop yeah. in case one goes down it sounds like you're not doing that um well uh, what we did was right as it goes i have been doing a bit of md work so i have been a little bit uh in in this world of redundant rigs because obviously when I'm when I'm performing myself right I'm so experienced now in terms of like I feel like if something happened if Ableton crashed or whatever which touch wood to this day it's never crashed on me so and I've played a lot of shows um obviously there's been a few little blips but like nothing major the only thing once was we blew amps sure but that wasn't even ableton ableton kept running and then when the speakers came back on it was in the same place because it was going around a loop so it was f and we didn't even notice we had we had in ears on yeah and sure. um and and re my percussionist was like waving at me like babe it's there's no sound i was like Oh, and I like, because I was in headphones, so I didn't even know. So that's the only thing that's happened. Like I said, touch wood, the sacred MacBook, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, but obviously what we did do when we played like the bigger festivals, we took uh, like um, just an iPhone with like a, a good, with the whole mix, uh, like the play, like sort of the track mix. And yep. I recorded myself performing it without the vocal because um, I split my vocal signal so the front of house always has a dry vocal anyway so if everything went down you know in my show it would be dry vocal and percussion which is hilarious but um, what we did was we took an iPhone and we tried we knew it wouldn't necessarily sync up but if anything went terribly wrong it might not be in the right place but at least we could perform with a vocal and a track and percussion Yeah. so that's what we did uh, when we were doing it Um but now, actually, when I'm obviously MDing for other artists, I can't do that because it's my name and neck that's going to get rung if anything happens to Ableton. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so actually uh, just kind of haven't had a lot of experience with them yet, but we were looking into the the the, the eye connectivity, the play audio interfaces, where yes. obviously it splits yeah. the MIDI signal for you. Yeah. Yeah. So We've I got just one, yeah, um, as well. Have you got one? Yeah. Do you recommend it? Yes. <laughs> yeah. 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 It's, it's a real game changer. Mm, yeah, I think going forward, like bigger sort of festivals and things like that. 
I mean, I don't know what I would do personally, because like for me, it's always been okay. But definitely when I'm working with other artists, we need the redundancy rig. But I still think it's tough, though, man, with these redundancy rigs for like new artists, because obviously and me as well, you know, it's not cheap to flip and have two MacBooks on stage. Yeah, and, yeah, it's not. You know, and um, but obviously with the play audio it's a lot cheaper than buying two radial switches and you know all the other things that you need if you weren't using the p12 um yeah but yeah so that's the way um i would go i guess if the show continued to grow and i guess if we did do a tour we always we always had a laptop that was like um half functioning kind of thing if something was going to go wrong but yeah, I think that's that's the way forward, though, isn't it? The 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 P12s. I was actually having a few shows. I've had a few shows booked in MDing, but obviously with this coronavirus, this, all the shows have been uh, cancelled. Yeah, so, sure. Um, that would have been my first experiences with um, going out with a redundancy rig, actually. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's different because you do a lot of stuff on your own. But I think for for most for most bands, um, it's usually like one or two members who already have a laptop. So so that's what we've done instead of sort of like that's true, go, yeah. instead of just going out and buying like a, a separate one, uh, we just use one of the guys in the band uh, who already has one. They have Ableton on it. And we just use that. Of course. And that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. And usually my experience is if you have a backup in place, you'll never have to use it. And if the backup's not in place, then you may have to use it. <laughs> but it sounds like, you know, in your situation, you've been quite fortunate and you haven't had anything go wrong, which is absolutely amazing. Touch wood. Like we obviously we've had stuff go wrong. Like, like I said, that's how I've learned. But nothing hugely like... Ableton's crashed, you know, nothing like that. Absolutely nothing. Um, there's been a few things like South by Southwest, but you don't know who it is. You don't know if it's the interface. You don't know if it's the sound engineer where they didn't have all the lines. And, that, you know, I'm there testing all the lines. I'm like, I've got all the lines. I don't know why they can't hear it. Things like that. But, yeah, nothing hugely. Whereas, you know, if I'd had a different experience, maybe I would have been well on this redundancy rig a lot earlier yeah. but because I've it's always been quite positive don't get me wrong it is really scary though sometimes like we played Coco um and it was sold out we were supporting a an Australian band called Peking Duck and it was just me and Ree one of my percussionists and it was it was actually it was crazy we were on this massive stage and there was just this like little macbook 12 you know 2012 on the on over in the corner yeah <laughs> it's just like okay please work and you know you just talk to it you know be nice to it and stuff so i think maybe there would be a bit more peace of mind if i did perform with a redundancy rig <laughs> yeah you know one thing i have i've only had it happen to me once but um i i played outside at a festival in the summer and it was really hot and my macbook is a 2013 so um just one year right. older uh than one year newer than yours um and it overheated because of because <laughs> oh, of the no. sun um and it was not pretty so it was just like tons of glitching and it was really hard to make it through that set um but oh no as soon as i did uh and that's the only time it's ever happened to me but i i went on to amazon and i got uh, i got myself you can get these little uh, laptop fans that go underneath it um 
and they can plug in by USB. And I did that and that's uh, really helped out. So if anybody has ever wow. had that problem with overheating, and I think it's maybe, I think older machines are a little bit more likely to do it than... What, um, what than, size is it? Is it 13 or 15 inch? Mine's a 15. Oh yeah, mine too. Because sometimes the size depends. And also I've got these... Um, I don't know if you might have seen in my videos, I've got loads of them. I think I've got about six or seven of them. They're these Amazon Basics laptop stands. Okay. And so every show, my laptop goes on one of these stands. And obviously it means it's not flat to the ground. So the yeah. air can always get up to the bottom. Yeah, which is a big deal. Yeah, because it's like gated. So it's actually not on anything where it's... So I think Touchwood, because we've played on boiling shows as well. This one show we played, Field View. Do you remember, not last summer, the summer before, it was absolutely boiling time. Yeah. And yeah, it was so hot. People couldn't even... They were all in the shade. Like, And then eventually we got them out to dance. But that, I remember. My laptop was also, because the base was so big. I don't know if you've noticed this as well. Sometimes the subs under the stage moves the laptop, you know? And you're like, yes, yeah. oh my God, like, please, is it going to be okay? But yeah, touch wood, I don't know. I've, yeah, but that, I can see now, yeah, if, you'd ha if you have had issues, you 100% would have to get that redundancy rig in place, wouldn't you? Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, so yeah. <laughs> I, I just wondered, can I ask you um, uh, just a couple more quick questions and then yeah, I'll let sure. you go because I know you got to get going. But um, yeah, I, yeah, just, no uh, I just wondered if you wanted to mention um, some of your favorite plugins um, to people. Oh. Sort of what, what are some plugins that you feel that you, that you wouldn't want to do a show without, show a video, a session without? Yeah, so obviously, like, plugins for performing live are, are uh, a bit different to producing. Um, but, yeah, but because we've been chatting about live stuff, I'll continue on that theme. 100% um, the auto filter. Like, I probably got about, I don't know how many of them in the projects. Different LFO rates. Um, Is that just that's the built-in Ableton? The, the Ableton stock yeah, yeah. auto filter? yeah. All Ableton stuff, like to be honest, when I'm performing live, I try not to use any third party yeah. uh, at all. So um, just because it just keeps it clean, CPU nice and low, not putting too much pressure on a computer. So definitely the auto filter, um, I love that. Um, what else do I like to use all the time? I use uh, the just the standard, the Echo. Oh, it's... Oh, there we go. Yeah, sorry. I don't know if I uh, the sound went funny then. I've got the um, the echoes I use all the time and the the reverbs. I I like to put like reverb on on like a group of like loop vocals and then like yeah. map like the decay time and stuff. Um, I use I think that's mainly reverb, echo, auto filter. I wish I had my live project in front of me now. Oh, I quite, oh, and obviously compressor. Sometimes I, with my live loop in, I like to have like a ghost kick and side chain. So if I like play in a bass line and have it sort of side chain as it loops back and things like that. Yeah, sure. So like just the compression. Um, but yeah, I'd say mainly auto filter, you know? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, that's cool. And I think that's encouraging 
for people out there who mm. uh, who at this point maybe can't afford any other plugins, but to know that um, they can do a lot just with the built-in stock plugins that come with Ableton. Oh yeah, and like for not even for just live. I love the pedal, the overdrive, the drum bus. Um, I actually do use loads of Ableton uh, plugins. Obviously, the Max for Live plugins as well. Like, there's some cool delays of that, like a tap delay. I use. I use the light, uh, the Max for Live pitch drop in Paper Tiger. That's the thing that goes, boom, you know, like when it yes. does a, the stop. So, um, yeah, for for a live set, I would say you Ableton in the box is great, man. You don't need anything else. Okay, cool. Um, well, well, lastly, I really just wanted to try and give you a chance to let people know where they can follow you. I know you sort of have a number of things going on, uh, but where should people go to follow you? What's the best place? I mean, so if you want to just see like daily, whatever I'm, uh, kind of experimenting with, there is a lot of synths and, uh, production stuff going on, probably Instagram, um, which is just, you know, my name at Rachel K. Collier, um, um, YouTube, my YouTube channel's got like a bit more obviously the performances there's a bit of production and a couple of um, performance breakdowns on there as well and um but yeah if you want to get really really nerdy and like learn some tips and tricks probably my patreon is the best place to go yeah um but yeah and then obviously if you just want to listen to some tunes head to spotify <laughs> awesome well rachel yeah. um thank you so much for your time i really appreciate it oh no thanks for having me i hope uh i hope that was all digestible and uh, you guys could all understand it i don't know if i'm talking 100 miles an hour no it sounds great it was it was a real pleasure to have you thank you oh thank you kevin that's wicked all right guys thanks so much for joining me again really appreciate it and I hope that everybody um, stays safe. I'm going to play the song by Rachel to finish the episode, which is Paper Tiger. So I hope you enjoy.
Lass das Stuhl und Sägfurt sein.